What's going on, NFL football fans? You are listening in to the NFL All 32 podcast, presented by Football Game Plan and the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. David Hassagan here, along with the czar of the playbook, Emery Hunt, Troy Anthony, and Alex Marinoni. How was everybody's Christmas, by the way? Everybody have a good uh, good Christmas day? Everybody? Not too bad, I good gotta times. say. Good times, good times. Good times, good food. <laughs> food comas, perhaps? I don't know. A little bit. A little, <laughs> a little bit, bit. Yeah, there's, there's, a mi- there's about an hour there where I don't really remember. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that sounds about right. And we're counting down, folks, because now only a couple days until New Year's Day. We hope you guys have a lot of fun planned and a lot of, you know, make sure you're safe out there. Don't be doing anything stupid out on the roadways on uh, New Year's Day or New Year's Eve. Uh, just be safe out there. But we also have to talk about playoff football, the regular season of the 100th year of NFL football has come and gone. There was plenty of drama to talk about. Let's get right into it, and we'll start in a divisional matchup between the Ravens and the Steelers. Ravens had already clinched the number one seed, taking on Pittsburgh, who was had an outside shot. They were number seven going into this one. Couldn't get away with the win, though. Ravens, even with their backups in, win 28-10. to Overall dominant season for, so far for Baltimore. Great way to go out if you're Baltimore. Tough way to go out if you're Pittsburgh, but it makes it evident on what they need to do in the offseason with their offense. Moving on to the next one here, kind of a nothing game. Again, Buffalo all but set. New York Jets, though, coming in, looking to get a nice little victory at the end, and they get a little revenge for week one. They went 13-6. to six. Uh, They went six of the last eight to finish the season. Not a bad season for the Jets, considering the way they started. Not a bad season. This was a hard-fought win for them against the Buffalo Bills' second team. I mean, all of their starters were pulled pretty much early. True. They only got a seven-point win. Hey, but still. It, it, it's a win. It, I think the thing is still counts as a W. Yeah. You're a Giants fan. You wouldn't know this year. It's, it's tough. Yeah, you're, you're a Jets fan. You're just trying to make excuses. <laughs> <laughs> Move on to the Ooh. next one here. New Orleans taking on Carolina. The shots are going to be fired all podcast, folks. <laughs> New Orleans taking on the Carolina Panthers. One glimmer of hope for Carolina has been Christian McCaffrey, the only the third player ever with 1,000 receiving and rushing yards in the same year. But holy Drew Brees and the Saints, well, we didn't even go to Drew Brees. It was even Teddy Bridgewater near the end here, 42-10, to 10, all New Orleans. Yeah, the Saints just flexed on the Panthers. Really nothing else to say here. The Panthers just, uh, since the coaching change, um, have just not been a competitive team, losing their last eight or nine games now to end the season. Um, the Saints just look like they're ready for big-time football. And that's 11 games with 30-plus points this year for New Orleans. That's an NFL. That's the most in the NFL. Moving on now, the battle for Ohio. And, boy, it was a lot to be desired down for the entire year. But a pretty competitive ball game. Bengals get the win over the Browns, 33-23 to finish 2-14. and They still have the number one pick in the draft. Cleveland, well, they didn't even <laughs> wait until the end of the day to get rid of Freddie Kitchens. This was a wild one. Wild one. And, again, we were still at the Giants game getting ready to uh, begin that game. And we saw that the coach was already fired. It was like, wow, like the game hadn't even <laughs> ended yet. Um, there's the, the one o'clock games are still going on, but you, you're happy for Zach Taylor. Shout out to uh, Joe Mixon for getting over a thousand yards again, and a great way for the Bengals to finish. Oh, the Dallas Cowboys. Where was this for about? Oh, I don't know, two thirds of the season. <laughs> Cowboys rough up the Redskins, forty-seven to sixteen. They had to win to have a chance at the postseason, and at least they did that and did it in pretty impressive style. Yeah, absolutely routed the Redskins in this one. I'm sure that everybody in that stadium was scoreboard watching, hoping that the Giants could pull off the upset against the Eagles to squeak into the playoffs. That doesn't happen. But once again, Jason Garrett finishes 8-8 eight and eight in the season. I think now he's tied with only um, 
Jeff Fisher for the most eight and eight seasons as a head coach. We'll see if he survives. We'll keep an eye on breaking news as we record this podcast this Monday morning. Moving on to the next one here, the Packers taking on the Lions. This was one where the Packers are still looking for some sort of home field advantage, maybe a bye in the first round. They got the job done, but just barely against Detroit, 23-20. to Yeah, this was a crazy game, the way this was shaken out. Uh, Lions looked like they were playing for their head coach. you got to give them credit, and yep. they did a lot of things to disrupt Aaron Rodgers in this offense. And I know a lot of people out there, including myself, who had the Packers sitting in a couple of parlays were sweating for a very long time <laughs> watching this game, but it ended up pulling it out, and that's what that's what uh, very good teams, great teams do. Um, and they're a playoff-caliber team, obviously. They're uh, – uh, you know, 12 wins, 13, excuse me, wins on the year, and it shows you why, um, being able to pull out this victory. Moving on to the next one here, a divisional matchup that a couple of weeks ago pretty much decided who was going to take care of business in terms of the division in the AFC South. Texans won that one. The Titans came into this one knowing a win, and they were in, and they did so, knocking out the Steelers and the Oakland Raiders in the same breath, 35-14. This Tennessee team, though, they're coming in with a lot of momentum at 9-7. and Stereotypically, or using the cliche, the team that you don't want to play, what it is the Tennessee Titans. So you like how they went up there, knowing they had to, knowing they had to get that win to get in. They played their best game, and shout out to Derrick Henry, winning the rushing title by going over 200 yards in his back-to-back 1,000-yard season. He's starting to hit his stride as a runner, as a pro. And he, congratulations to him for sure. He actually had over a thousand yards after contact alone. That's crazy. That's ridiculous. I, I believe his, his yards after contact alone would have had him at the fifth fifth leading rusher in the league. That's grown men. That, that's, right that's nuts. That's absolutely <laughs> crazy. It's on to this next one now. The Jaguars taking on the Colts, two teams that had higher aspirations for this season, especially Indianapolis, uh, but didn't turn out that way for either one. Jaguars, though, end on a high note, 38-20. to By the way, randomly, they're, oh, they're 7-0 and all time at home in Week 17. Wow. Random stat for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And if they're actually in playoff contention and need a win, this is going to be an important stat. <laughs> Definitely an interesting stat. This is a game that pretty much you're playing for jobs at this point. And yeah. I'm looking at the two quarterbacks in this one, and it was a, it was opposite stre- spectrums here. Gardner Minshew, I think, pretty much solidified himself as the Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback into the next season. Jacoby Brissett kind of blew the table in this one. And the Colts are definitely going to be looking for quarterback help next season. Moving on to the next one here, the Chiefs taking on the Chargers. The Chargers, by the way, if all of their one-score games had flipped, would have been the number one seed going into the final week of the season in the AFC. Before you jump That's into your, your take, mm-hmm. it's announced that the Chiefs safety, Juan Thornhill, has a torn ACL. And oh. that will not help, even though they won 31-21 over the Chargers. Chiefs did get a first-round bye with this win, but now it seems like it's come with a cost. Yeah, unfortunately, but they needed this game, and uh, they were doing some scoreboard watching themselves, even though they said they weren't, and uh, and got that miracle over there in New England. But uh, big win for them, and uh, Chargers came out to play. I mean, this could have been possibly, I know it's speculation and everything, but this could have possibly been Philip Rivers' last game. We don't know. There's a lot of things going on, uh, a lot of talks there, but uh, Chiefs handle business, and despite their struggles early on in this season, still finished with 12 wins. Could have at least been his last game as a Charger, whether it's the last game for him, right. period. That would be interesting, especially if Eli Manning is also calling it quits. That could be cool to see them retire in the same season. Moving on to this one here, the Bears taking on the Vikings. Who can figure out Mitch Trubisky for me? Because I can, he gets to throw the ball about, what, 450 times this game alone? and barely beats the Minnesota Vikings 21-19. Not the way Minnesota wanted to go into the postseason, but Mitch Trubisky passed 3,000 passing yards for the second straight year. 
Yeah, and uh, again, they did a great job driving down the field, getting those points to win. I know if you were a betting man and you had Minnesota minus one or plus one, the the call was. You look at the scores like it's nineteen eighteen. I still to this day do not understand how Vegas knows. And, <laughs> and the Bears drove down the field. Trubisky had a really good drive and got them the game-winning field goal. Listen, Emery, if you know, you know. You got to know the lines. You got to know the players. Everyone's involved. Let's move on to New England taking on Miami. And for the second consecutive year, the Dolphins knock off the Pats. And this time, it costs New England a bye. It was in their hands. Would have had the number two seed. Instead, they're going to the wild card round for the first time in a decade. Brady goes to second all-time in career passing yards, but the Dolphins, a hard-fought win, and they've played very well down the stretch. Talking about how Vegas knows, I know that the Patriots are minus 1,100 on this game. So whoever <laughs> took the Dolphins, congratulations. And enjoy your new house. <laughs> congratulations. I've seen one bet out there. A guy placed $74,000 on the Patriots to win only 4000 You know he's hurting today. <laughs> oh, extra, extra hurting. Moving on to the decider in the NFC East. The Giants taking on the Eagles. We're good to see uh, Carson Wentz in the studio with us today. <laughs> you can give us wow, some insights. We're going that route. All right. <laughs> what, folks, trust me, if we put the photos up side by side, it's kind of eerie. But Philadelphia clinches the NFC East. They did so with dominance, still without most of their key offensive players. Giants showed a little bit of fight, but Eli Manning's last game potentially for the New York Giants. Yeah, well, I have to say I played very well this game. The Eagles, uh, they took care of business. It was a close one throughout. Um, you know, it was very, uh, it was very like their very their uh, game a couple of weeks ago where uh, Eli started. Um, and then the Eagles just in the fourth quarter were able to take care of business. I believe it was 17, 17 going into that fourth quarter, and then uh, you know got a Daniel Jones turnover and just made plays, and um, and it pretty much led to the confirmation that Pat Shermer uh, lost his job after this game. And we'll talk about that before the week. By the way, how about Saquon? As he's going through the last tackle, already pointing on that long touchdown run. That was baller move. That's when you know you're going. Two teams that are trending upward, even though they missed the playoffs. The Falcons taking on the Buccaneers in this one. Is there any more Jameis Winston thing than what he did in this one to clinch the 30-30 club with a pick six in overtime to end the season to finish with 30 touchdowns and 30 picks? Falcons win 28-22. What kind of opinions can we get from this game? Jameis is never not entertaining. No. must see TV. He is good for the brand. He is good for business. Famous Jameis. It gets to the point where you almost think this dude is doing it on purpose. Like, (laughs) I I legitimately wonder, and this goes back to him at Florida State, and, you know, in this era of memes and making fun and joking, him squinting from the sideline at Florida State, you kind of wonder – does he have a, a vision problem? <laughs> I think he like does. Like we've at seen, this point. we've seen receivers. Uh, I want to say it was um, one of the receivers for the Eagles. It, he leaves Philly, gets his eyes checked, or maybe I forgot who it was. Gets his eyes checked, realizes he has a vision problem, gets Lasix, and hasn't dropped passes since. You know, <laughs> and you know, so we've seen this happen before. A lot of guys just, you know, don't think they have a vision issue. Jameis may have a vision issue from the squinting to because it just a lot of it just doesn't make sense, you know. So, yeah, and all serious, not joking, but I think yeah. I don't know if he has gotten his eyes checked, but it will be something to explore if he's Tampa Bay. It'll be certainly something that will be uh seen, well, maybe unseen in the offseason. Next up, the Broncos taking on the Raiders. The Raiders somehow had mathematically a chance to make the postseason, that was all but dashed. <laughs> 
When they didn't win their own game, they lose to the Broncos 16-15. Broncos, though, win four of their last five. Their only loss was to Kansas City. They might have found a quarterback of their own. Definitely, I think that they have. Drew Locke, as a rookie, came in, and he's done well for them. It'd be interesting to see how he's going to go into the next season. The Oakland Raiders, on the other hand, this season, I think this was a good season for them. A lot of progress from the previous season, and they have a lot to look forward to in their future. And now they move to Las Vegas. We'll see how, what that holds for the new black hole uh, in the middle of the desert. Moving on to the Rams taking on the Cardinals. L.A. Rams only have themselves to blame for not making the postseason. Had a couple games they probably should have won and didn't, but they win this last one 31-24 over the Arizona Cardinals. Cardinals took a lot of strides, though, in this season. L.A. just comes out on top. Yeah, it says a lot about McVay and what uh, the culture he has there in L.A. For a team that was just uh, removed from the Super Bowl, could have won that Super Bowl, and to not make the Super Bowl and go in, in a meaningless game like this and, and show out was uh, is a big deal. Um, but kudos to uh, Kyler Murray in this one, 325 yards in the air, two touchdowns. He does turn the ball over four times that ultimately cost, his, uh, cost, his game, cost the game, but, um, but he looked good. Um, and just, you know, rookie mistakes going up against a, a superior defense. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a matchup we're going to see for hopefully years to come. And the last game, the Sunday night game, this was flexed in because it was going to decide a division and a whole lot more. San Francisco taking on the Seahawks. Based on the results early in the day, the Seahawks knew they couldn't get a bye going into this game, but they could at least get a home game in the first round. They saw, what's the cliche? Game of inches? Well, this was a game of centimeters. And this one, San Francisco barely holds on 26-21 they get the win they get the number one seed in the nfc seattle forced to go back east in the first round if the nfl wants to make a stand about the officiating just cancel referees and go strictly (laughs) machines and technology only using refs to spot the ball otherwise that chaos that we saw at the end that clear cut pass interference call that wasn't called will continue to happen. And this is after a year where they said, oh, yeah, we've addressed, we've addressed this. And the officiating, I think, clearly has just gotten worse. They've given the officials way too much power. And no accountability. Interesting. Uh, that's Well, that's it for Week 17. The playoffs are set. We'll talk about those matchups in the wild card round. But we figured now, you know, it's time for what you know what used to be called in uh, when I worked in baseball post post mortem. You know, talk about what happened during the game. You know, what happened, what went right, what went wrong. And so we're going to go division by division and talk about this season. Let's start with the AFC North. Um, what what can we possibly say about this division this year? Because, I mean, really, all the divisions were chaotic, but the AFC North in general was just one where. It was semi-unpredictable to a point. But it kind of ended the way it has traditionally ended, with either True. Baltimore or Pittsburgh being number one or number two. Yeah, um, I think the biggest surprise was the fact that talent, and I'm still a firm believer the most talented team will win, but in this case, the anomaly showed that that wasn't the case with the Cleveland Browns because they were talented on paper, <laughs> but they couldn't get out of their own way. I was more shocked at how Cincinnati just – I think Cincinnati, Cincinnati on paper has – 79 talent and for them to go winless for as long as they did and finishing 2-14 and 14 was sort of disappointing but Ravens wasn't surprised we predicted this in the offseason um, in in our uh, pre-game uh, pre-season shows um, I had the Ravens first and we talked about road to the Super Bowl and right now it's looking like those steps those check boxes those boxes have been checked so we'll see but biggest surprise was how in effect, the Browns looked offensively considering the talent. 
My bi- <clears throat> my biggest surprise is the Ravens finishing 14 and 2. Now, I thought that they would win this division. Um with Big Ben getting hurt, that pretty much like just solidified it even more. But 14 and 2 and being the number 1 seed not only in the AFC but in the NFL. I don't think anybody could have predicted that or or the output that we would have seen from this offense on historic paces. We we all sat here and and predicted that Lamar Jackson was going to be uh, have an amazing season, but I don't think anybody saw it to the level as th- as to what it is or what it has been throughout this whole season. Yeah, my biggest takeaway here is uh is on the Steelers and the Bengals. The Steelers for uh putting together an eight and eight year with your second and third string quarterbacks and um just you know all the adversity james connor was played what like four total games and was effective in like two of them yeah um after being the star of last year uh filling in for Le'Veon bell um it just shows you that the outside of belichick the two best coaches in the nfl are in this division and they're first and second and uh you can see what happens when you you utilize you have a full team you utilize that talent and you're 14 and 2 and what a what another great coach does at Mike Tomlin goes to eight and eight. And what? Go ahead. No, what? God, you give me a look. So <laughs> there's a, there's a look on Troy's face two, right now. Two best coaches in this division. I don't know about all that, man. In this division? Yeah. They're not the two best coaches in this division? Uh, in the NFL. The next two Yo. best coaches are in this division? In John Harbaugh and Mike Tomlin? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Go on. <laughs> I, I, I think you're forgetting the ball, my man, down in New Orleans. He's a good coach. You're putting Harbaugh above Peyton? <laughs> Fourteen and two is better than thirteen and three. If that's what I mean, we're gonna go by. You're going record. It's <laughs> strictly record. I'm going by. Oh, I mean, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I am going John Harbaugh. I don't know why I'm. I'm even fighting this. John Harbaugh <laughs> and Mike Tomlin are definitely better than. I'm not gonna say definitely. Like these are like those are like the upper echelon. You know, coaches. They all deserve to be in that conversation. You throw Andy Reid in there, and the, you know what I mean. So uh, with Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick in the league was on. So those four. So you're I would put, say you're, you're putting Harbaugh over Reid as well. Probably. Alex is just a Saints hater, though. I think, I think that's what it's coming down to. I am no, not a Saints hater. I am not a Saints hater. What I am... It will be revealed when we get further on. What I am is a big proponent of what these guys have done, and these guys have Super Bowl rings and Super Bowl appearances. Sean Payton's got, what? A Super Bowl what, ring? What, like three, four playoff appearances with arguably the greatest quarterback of all time? We'll, we'll get into that. But, <laughs> uh, but, uh, but I'm just, you know, what, what I'm saying is I saw a lot of seven to nine, eight years out of... At a champagne with talent, and saying he's very good, but John Harbaugh and Mike Tomlin, I think, are two and three. I don't think it's two A, two B, any okay. of that. Oh, okay. you know what? You know what? It's two A and two B with Tomlin and Harbaugh. I can't decide who is the better coach there. I love what both of them done this year, but Peyton is four. Okay, that is very interesting. My, my quick takes. Um, I, you know what? <laughs> he's in a fight with Andy Reid. I'm not gonna say. I don't want to be on record saying Here that, but he's in that level. He's in that level. That's two different weight classes. No offense. <laughs> but in terms of my quick it. takes, Baltimore is an all-star team. Uh, <laughs> they might be a team of destiny. I think Pittsburgh found its soul again this year. You find that when you go through a rough stretch, and they did this season. Uh, Cleveland, I think they should replace their stadium with a big top tent. Because uh, that's the only thing that's going on there. It's just a complete clown show. And Cincinnati much better than what their record was. That was going to be my other point until I was interrupted by... Rudely interrupted (laughs) by Mr. Anthony. I just need a clarification. But Cincinnati, I mean, they played a ton of tight ball games this year. 
uh, probably should have ended up with at least five or six victories. So much better than what they showed. I think they've got a lot of pieces there. They just have to improve uh, in a couple spots, especially think, on offense. I think if they kept Dalton the whole year, I think they would have had somewhere between yeah. five and seven wins. Um, going with Finley was a big hit on that season. Absolutely. Let's move now to the AFC South. Uh, this was a this one started off with a shocker uh, with the retirement of Andrew Luck. Uh, Indianapolis went from you know being a contender to being out of the playoffs for some, not for the people around this table. I can honestly say. But this is one of the more even divisions across the league this year. Uh, Houston and Tennessee eventually came down to fight for it. They both make the postseason. Uh, I don't think anybody would have said, oh, the AFC South's getting two bids uh, at the start of the season. Uh, what were the impressions, though, from this one? Because there's, there's a lot of interesting storylines from this division. We actually thought the AFC South would get two bids uh, because of um, Houston and Indianapolis uh, being the, the two front runners, yeah, we, we didn't think Tennessee was going to be up this high. Well, we argued three potentially. Um, when you look at Tennessee or Jacksonville, considering they had just gotten Nick Foles, I'm I guess the biggest surprise for me was how bad the quarterback situation was in Jacksonville. Nick Foles, I'm talking about, considering what he came off of, what was left behind in Philly, and that talk was still going on throughout the season, only dissipating until the last five games of the year where Wentz started to, like, brush away a lot of that smoke. Yeah. And also with how ineffective he played. I just thought Nick Foles being ineffective for Jacksonville, the sole reason why they paid him all that money, was the biggest surprise of this division, in my opinion. Mine would have to be um, how fast the Colts fell off and how quick the Titans came on. Because mm. just a few weeks ago, we were talking about Indianapolis and Tennessee truly fighting for this division, this division lead. Who's going to be the champion between them two? And just as fast, Indy is completely out of the picture, and Tennessee is now the hottest team in the NFL. And Ryan Tannehill could could have just catapulted himself into a monster contract on a completely new team, and now he's the face of their franchise. Yeah, my, my big thing is, is Ryan Tannehill. I mean, uh, just to – have the guts and the gall from Mike Vrabel to bench your franchise quarterback, the guy that's supposed to save your season. He's brought you to a playoffs before Mariota, and to go with a guy like Ryan Tannehill, who, if you ask the media, this guy was a nobody. He's at best a QB2 in this league, and he's pretty much done. And then he comes in, and he was with the offensive guru down there in Miami, so <laughs> if he can figure it out, no one can. And then he comes in and saves their season. And honestly, they were just a couple of plays away from potentially winning this division. Uh, I mean, quick takes for me. Houston is not just a defensive juggernaut. I think they've proved that this year. Uh, pretty good on offense as well. Tennessee, I mean, talk about second chances with Ryan Tannehill. I mean, you you put it perfectly. This guy just became a franchise quarterback again, just a little bit further north. Indianapolis, I don't think you should panic if if you're them. I think think there's still a lot of pieces there. As for Jacksonville, you better load up on mustache oil because Gardner Minshew's your guy at this point. It's not Nick Foles. I can tell you that for sure. AFC East. Maybe a changing of the guard in this one. New England wins the division for the 12th straight year, but Buffalo comes on strong. The Jets finish with seven wins. We haven't seen them at that high a total in a long time. And Miami, just when they looked like they were com had completely given up, or at least maybe the ownership had, they turn around and get to a 5-11 and season. Really good year for the Dolphins at the end. Preseason, I had this uh, going like this with the Bills and Jets switched. I thought the uh, Jets would be in the Bills' position to, to get to 9-7 and, and perhaps 
push for a playoff bid. I thought Buffalo was kind of, you know, okay. Um, I didn't truly believe in the, in the Dolphins as well. Uh, but the the biggest surprise was the the Buffalo Bills defense. I knew that they would be a good defense. I didn't see fantastic defense. They were a top defense for like the first six weeks of the season, and then they just stayed the, the course throughout. And the biggest surprise was just how great defensively the Bills were, in my opinion. I'm not surprised at what went on in New York. Um, not surprised at what went on in the Dolphins. I didn't think they were tanking per se. Uh, from a coaching and player perspective, but just surprised at how dominant the Bills were defensively. Yeah, I have to agree with that one. I mean, uh, as well, I, has the, I had the Jets finishing second, as, especially after all of their offseason acquisitions. Um, I mean, if Darnold doesn't get hurt or if he doesn't miss the games due to mono, they this season could have been a bit different. They went on a stretch second half of the ha- second half of the season, but then again, they did have one of the easiest records second half of the season. Um, biggest surprise would probably be the Patriots missing the the having to play in a wild card. I should say it's kind of like like you said the changing of the guard. It's the, it's the changing of everything in this division. The swinging of the tide. Buffalo Bills look to be in the best position to to kind of take the crown from them for in in the next few years. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you guys as far as where I thought this division would be before the season started. Um, my most surprising, though, takeaway from this uh, season in this division is the, new, the lack of offense in the New England Patriots. Um, you've seen the numbers of the offense, Tom Brady's numbers, you know, the last couple of years starting to go down, but very, very slightly. It seems like this year took a, it was a big jump down. And despite being 12-4, and four, a lot of those wins and a lot of these points scored were because of the defense and the special teams. Um, so, but we're going to see, obviously, in the postseason, um, you know, Tom Brady may just be t- postseason Tom Brady, and they'll be, fi- they'll be the machine that they are. But the machine definitely took a couple of hits this year. It's weird that New England's gotten this criticism because they still scored the third most points in the AFC in terms of their offense, which was considered struggling, but you're right. Certainly well, offense some are like total points. Total points, that yeah, is true. That's, that's the other key point to bring up there. Buffalo, if they can get more explosive on offense, they are right there. Also, Frank Gore is an absolute beast. Uh, as for the Jets and Dolphins, there's so much hope for both of those franchises. At, at least at the tail end of this season, both teams ended very, very strong. And finally, we go to the AFC West. Kansas City doing Kansas City things. Oakland, last year in the Coliseum before they moved to Vegas. Didn't exactly pan out, but really the team that might have the most hope this year is Denver. We talked about this in the uh, in our preseason previews for the Broncos, that they will be much better than what people thought. That was a team, if they got consistent play from the quarterback position, had the receiving core, had the tight end position solved with Fant coming in, and also the depth that they had on the roster. The defense was the defense. Um, especially with Von Miller and, and Bradley Chubb. You like what they brought in at linebacker with rookies and, and free agent signings also in the secondary. The only question was quarterback, and we figured that out early that Flacco probably was, wasn't the long-term answer, but we got to see when Luck stepped, Locke stepped in because he was hurt for a good part that this team is dangerous. But I thought the biggest surprise was the Oakland Raiders and how competitively good they were they were a team that was we were talking about first place in the AFC West and had their opportunity to make the playoffs, but they lost it down the stretch. I mean, you look at their rookie class, everybody that was healthy that made that played made a contribution. Max Crosby outplayed their fourth overall pick um, and Cleveland Farrell 
at defensive end. He had 10 sacks this year uh, as, as a, a later-round draft pick. So I thought the Oakland Raiders did a great job this year, didn't finish how they wanted to. But, man, I think the future is bright for both Mike Mayock and John Gruden with how Mayock drafted and what they were able to grab in undrafted free agents and also bringing in their future franchise quarterback into Sean Kaiser. I'm all in on the Raiders. 100% agree with that. I remember draft day, first round, when uh, we were in New York and just praising what they did in the first round alone between Farrell and, and Josh Jacobs and Abraham. I mean, and he's been out almost the entire year. So I think this division is one of the more promising divisions going into next season. I can see a huge turnaround because everybody's going to expect the Chiefs to be what the Chiefs have been over the past few years. Locke coming into his second year with the Broncos, that, that should be better. Oakland Raiders from year to, from last year to this year under Gruden, it's been a complete 180, and I see it going that way again next next season when they're out in Las Vegas. The biggest surprise would, was the Chargers in what their lack of everything, the lack of everything, not wanting to win, not producing anything. And the real question is going to be what's going to happen with Phillip Rivers because that's going to drive what the, what the expectations are for this Chargers team for the entire next season. Yeah, that was my biggest takeaway was what happened to the Chargers. I, this is a team that I thought in the preseason was going to compete with the Chiefs, come down to the end, uh, who's going to win that division. I mean, this is a team that, I mean, last year they were within a game. I mean, this was a playoff team, and they just looked very, very bad at this year. Even some of their wins early on were uh, they just weren't convincing victories. No matter who the team they played, uh, whether it was a team with four wins or a team with ten wins, they were they were they were close. But like they didn't dominate those games or do enough to to go uh, you know with a with a quarterback in Philip Rivers's type of stature, not make enough plays on the offensive side. A lot of names on this on this offense and this defense was something we were talking about last year as a top five defense, and they looked nothing like that this year. They didn't turn the ball over at all and way too many turnovers. Definitely my biggest takeaway in how they uh, fell off. Kansas City is still good. Uh, Denver and Oakland, a lot of hope there. And as for the Chargers, might be time to not just move over for Rivers, but a complete rebuild. I think this team is, uh, at this point, pretty well lost. Um, I mean, there are still a lot of people in the NFL circles that don't want them in L.A. at all and want to move back to San Diego. Uh, whether that's going to happen or not, that's a totally different issue. Uh, let's move on to the NFC now, though, and we'll start again. We'll start with the North. NFC North this season was uber competitive. We knew Minnesota might challenge Green Bay. They did for a little while. But this was supposed to be the year of Chicago, the year of Mitch Trubisky. He's going to you know, take the big next step that he you know, looked like he was about to do last season. And he was still the same guy. It's almost like you can kind of predict how a guy is going to look by his college film. Right, and almost how he <laughs> played the year before. So to me, that wasn't the surprise. The surprise, that was expected. The surprise to me out that division was the Minnesota Vikings, Kirk Cousins in particular. I thought he played his best season this year. Um, showed up big time in certain games, led the team back to victories. The Broncos game just stands out in my mind. And I like how they responded, or he respond, responded when he got called out by his receiving core uh, before the Giants game. He, they come out here, and Stephon Diggs has his best game of the season against his Giants secondary. So I thought Kirk Cousins – was a big surprise from the NFC North. I'm going to go a little off the cusp here and say the Detroit Lions. Um, sitting there at 3-12-1 at the end of the season, if you would have known that that was their record by week two or three with how competitive that they would have played, you wouldn't have <laughs> believed it. Um, this is a team who, through the first couple of weeks of the season, 
tied week one, and then it was in tight games with everybody. You thought, okay, Patricia has this defense truly rocking. Stafford, okay, maybe he can get something going with this offense. And then down the stretch, they just lost everything. Yeah, my biggest surprise is going to be the Chicago Bears. This is a team that I had making a deep run in the postseason. Um, if you go by last year, you saw how good that defense was. And Mr. Trubisky, he's not an elite passer. He's not an elite quarterback in this league. But at a 72 QBR, the, Matt Nagy was able to last year. Matt Nagy was able to coach him and this offense up to be competitive and to play through their defense and make uh, limited mistakes on offense. And this year, we saw Matt Nagy drop Trubisky back what 45, 50 times a game at times and early on in the year expecting him to be Superman when he's just Mitch Trubisky and he should have just played Mitch Trubisky ball and we saw um, against the Cowboys and a couple other games in the middle of that stretch where he they went back to what they did well last year running the ball and getting Mitch Trubisky to use his legs and they were winning big games and then uh, it kind of reverted back here at the end of the season um, and uh, I, that was my biggest surprise on if it didn't work the first couple of weeks, why change up the offense? Go back to what worked last year, and it took too long for them to go back, and that's where they finish at 8-8. Eight and eight. I mean, Green Bay, I think, it's, you know, showed a little bit of signs of aging. Still very, very good. I think they're where the Patriots were about two or three years ago. Still a playoff contender, still a Super Bowl contender, but might be time to start reloading in some places. Minnesota, is Kirk Cousins their guy fully? I'm not quite sure yet. Every other key... Uh, place has been filled Chicago I mean somebody's got to run the offense a lot better than what they did this year like it was just completely mismanaged and as for Detroit Patricia's got next year he's been given that vote of confidence here on uh, on Black Monday but he might have just one year and then he's got to get some wins under his belt moving on to the NFC South New Orleans dominant once again in this division Atlanta and Tampa Bay were the big stories, though, because we thought Carolina might be, you know, okay, decent, whatever. Atlanta had high expectations, fell off dramatically, and then all of a sudden started to figure out football again. And then there's the Jameis Winstons of Tampa Bay. It's just um, easily the weirdest, most difficult to figure out, bizarre season ever for a quarterback or a team in Tampa Bay. But there's a lot of hope in this division, too. There's really not many hopeless teams in the NFL, and there's certainly none in this division. I was surprised at the Carolina Panthers, uh, not because of Cam Newton getting hurt. I, I was more surprised at how unprepared they had Will Greer for this situation. You drafted him in the third round, essentially viewing him as a as a premier player um, that you took him, and he couldn't beat out Kyle Allen. And the defense could only help them out so far. So offensively, I thought this was the best collection of offensive skill players they put together for Cam Newton, and he didn't even play uh, you know, for, for the season. I was just surprised at how bad they looked in the passing game. Yeah. If it wasn't for Christian McCaffrey, um, <laughs> they probably would have only won two games. Yeah. You know, McCaffrey was a, a, an MVP candidate for a while. So I think, to me, that was the most surprising out this uh, team. This was uh, out this division. I thought the Saints would – would win the division. I thought Tampa would have a winning record. I didn't see Tampa being a bad team at all. Um, I thought the Falcons would have a winning record, and I thought Carolina would have a winning record. I thought, I, if I can remember correctly, I have to check the video, but I think for this one, I said there will be a team that has a winning record that would miss the playoffs out of this division. I thought this was going to be a, a tightly competitive one. Yeah, I mean, 
can't be surprised with the Saints have done with their top three head coach in the league. Um, <laughs> can't be surprised with the Panthers because, I mean, they lost Cam. Chalk it up to that. The Falcons did this season sort of what they did last season. You had high hopes and kaput. But the Buccaneers, I'm surprised Jameis Winston. Yes, he is the lone member of the 30-30 club. But what he's shown that he can do that he hasn't done in his previous years is straight ball out. Yeah. It's it's Favre-esque, like taking the good with the bad. And he's a 5,000-yard passer now. Like Jameis Winston 5, is a 5,000-yard passer. Who in their right mind would have thought that? Like if you were talking Vegas, that was probably like plus 10,000 to start the season. 5,000 with 30 picks. Mm-hmm. He could have been a sixth thousand yard passer in the nfl this isn't the pac 12 where's this coming from that's insane breaking news coming out of dallas according to wfaa which is the abc affiliate in dallas their reporter mike leslie is reporting that quote from the tweet i am told entire cowboys coaching staff have been fired Entire. Wow. So much for Jerry Jones and his pressers going, they're all family. We love everybody. <laughs> Get the hell out. Wow. Get the hell out. We, we will talk about that in a second. I think we might have to switch some things in the script that we were going to talk about here, folks. But let's go into NFL South. Continue there. Yeah, well, thanks for giving me that after this breaking news. Nobody gives a crap what I have to say now about the <laughs> NFC South. I mean, yeah, no, I'm not going to say it. Quickly, I will say, <laughs> quickly, I will say that uh, I am surprised on how the Falcons finished a 7-9 more so than anything else in this division. I could see – I thought it would be more competitive. Like Emery said, I thought there would be more winning teams. But uh, the Falcons at 7-9, um, I was shocked at. And you saw down the stretch that this team is not a 7-9 team. I know your record is what you said, what they show you are and all that. But uh, this team puts together a full season. They're down to the wire with uh, New Orleans in, uh, in the top of the division. The Saints are good. Breaking news. Amazing. Atlanta showed that they that they love Dan Quinn. I think the players want to play for him. Now the question is, will Atlanta's front office continue to be committed to him long term? Tampa Bay, if maybe they have a quarterback guru or something that uh, could take over and teach James Winston not to throw interceptions, he could be an all-time great. And as for Carolina, again, coaching opening there, so we got to see what happens. Without Ron Rivera, we saw exactly what happened uh moving forward in this division moving on to the nfc east oh the nfc east now we can talk about this breaking news because we've now had well let's let's talk about this we got cowboys have now fired the entire coaching staff which is just shocking giants have let go of their head coach washington sounds like they found their head coach sounds like ron rivera is all but signed to be their next head coach, but they fired their president, Bruce Allen. The only team that hasn't done anything is the Philadelphia Eagles, and they're the ones going to the postseason. Yeah, I, I mean, the biggest surprise was the Dallas Cowboys, obviously, because on paper, talking about the Cleveland Browns, on paper, this is a team that should have been 12-4, and 13-3. It should have been Cleveland versus Dallas in the Super Bowl. If you're basing it on paper talent, that's what it should have been. Right, or, or my pick preseason was Dallas-Baltimore. Yeah. Um, but... I just I, I am shocked that the talent couldn't overcome what we saw on on game day, and I think a lot of it. I lean to more the defense side. I think what changed for Dallas this year is that defense wasn't as good as it was last year. Offense was the offense. They, I mean, they were number one offense yards wise, right? Yeah. So they put up points. They they were able to move the football. They couldn't stop anybody. They couldn't get to the quarterback consistently. They couldn't turn the ball over on the outside. They couldn't pick off passes. Sean Lee was in, but. 
Van Der Esch was out, when Van Der Esch was in, Sean Lee was out. Defense, I think, was the biggest uh, problem this year for Dallas, but a huge surprise overall that this team was supposed to be the team. And it looked like it in the first couple of weeks when their offense was on fire and Kellen Moore and and then everything just fell apart. So I think the Cowboys, to me, were the biggest surprise. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody has to agree with that for the most part. Um, Biggest surprise for me would be down the stretch, it just between – Cal, Dallas and Philly, nobody wanted it. Nobody seemed to want it. It was like Dallas put it on a plate for Philly, Philly lost. Philly wins, Dallas wins. Just constant back and forth until these last two weeks when Philly finally took it. I've never, throughout my lifetime, watching the NFC East as a Giants fan, I've never seen it so bad like I, like it has been this season. Yeah, the one thing I'll take away is I, I – I actually said in the beginning of the season that I thought the Eagles would edge out the Cowboys, but I thought it would be 13 and 12 wins or 13 and 13, something like that. I thought they would not only handle the division, but they would handle some of these games. And um, at least down the stretch here, the Eagles are starting to win big games. You know, not not against the best talent, but they're still winning the big games at the end. Um, but these teams just they, they didn't show up against the good teams this year, and uh, that's a big indictment, yes, on the coaches, but that's big on the players. That's not getting up for these big games, especially the Cowboys not winning a game against a team that's above 500. That's a big deal, and yes, that's a lot of that goes on the coaching staff because they did put up crazy stats and crazy numbers against uh, some of the subpar teams. They handled them like they should have, but that gap of not being able to fill it in against the, t- the top-of-the-line teams was the concerning point. Philadelphia, we learned that Carson Wentz is what he was in college. He's a winner. It doesn't matter who's on the field with him. He will find a way to get things done. We found that out this year more than any other. Uh, the Giants, they certainly have their running back of the future. There's no question of that now. Saquon was the right move. Whether or not Daniel Jones is the quarterback, that is to be determined. Washington, well, according to Pro Football Talk, as of five minutes ago, the Ron Rivera Express to Washington is slowing down a bit. Apparently the negotiations are moving a little bit more slowly than expected between the two. So that might not be a done deal just yet. And as for the Dallas Cowboys, you might as well just rebrand at this point. Just name yourselves the Dallas Jerry Joneses. Take his face, put that on midfield, featuring also 53 other guys because he is his franchise. And quite frankly, even if they make the playoffs or win divisions, as long as he's the owner, this team will never have sustained success, which is incredible to say because he built it. But at this point, that that's where we are. And let's move quickly on to the NFC West. This was one of the more competitive divisions quietly across any of the league. Um, San Francisco, obviously the number one seed in the NFC, but Seattle was excellent this year. LA Rams, they missed the playoffs, but still finished 9-7. And the Arizona Cardinals, outstanding improvement from last year with a first-year head coach and a first-year quarterback. I was surprised at the Los Angeles Rams. I figured they would be you know what? I'm going to change it. I was surprised at San Francisco because I had a hot take in the summer where I was when looked at the roster and people were saying then this 49ers team could make the playoffs. I was like, wow, where where is it? Who's the running back? Where is it? Where is the offense going to come from? Are we trusting Jimmy Garoppolo? Um, who's in the secondary? I love their front four, but I didn't like the rest of the team. I just thought that, you know, people love Kyle Shanahan. And they say that there's they have said these same things about Shanahan every year he's been in San Francisco. We just hadn't seen it yet. So I'm, why would I believe that? So I totally didn't believe in San Francisco. I think I had them to finish uh, third, but I also made the, the the caveat by saying, you know, Arizona, they drafted well. They have the offense. It's unseen. They could even be better than San Francisco. But San Francisco, to me, 
because of my initial take preseason was the big surprise in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I was surprised by San Fran as well. I was surprised that they did all this with Jimmy G at quarterback because he just seems like more of a game manager to me. He hasn't, other than the two Arizona games, I don't, I still don't feel as if he's gone out there and won them a game on his arm. It's more of team based with the run game through good defense. But true test is going to come playoff time. Seattle, not really a surprise there. Seattle's Russell Wilson. That's my man. I know he's going to get it done. Um, Rams, most. Definitely. You go from being one of the most electric teams last season, and then now you're finishing net points only plus 30 on the season with a 9-7 and seven record. Like, you're, you're supposed to be way better than what you showed the, throughout this season. There was just too many times where Jared Goff was just scary. He, he couldn't get it done after taking them on that Super Bowl trip last season. And for the Cardinals... Really liked what I saw out of the Cardinals. Staying competitive in almost every single game under the new head coach with a rookie quarterback who might has a, a very good chance at winning Offensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, the Cardinals have a lot of promise going forward. Yeah, my biggest takeaway um, is going to be the Seahawks. I really, I, I mean, I'm not surprised that they have double-digit wins, but I really saw them as like a 9-7, 10-6 year at best. I didn't think that they would be down to the stretch, possibly getting the 12th win and winning the division. And honestly, like you mentioned earlier, a, a missed call there, and they're probably beating the San Francisco 49ers for the second time and winning the division. But definitely surprising considering they lose Baldwin. They lose their the entire secondary the last two, you know, for over the past two years um, with Earl Thomas officially leaving. Um, they don't, you know, they get clowny, but they still up front weren't that juggernaut getting to the quarterback it was pretty much the seattle russell wilson's and <laughs> russell wilson i mean he really elevated the play of everyone on this offense and uh, even without Dwayne brown some pieces they were missing last week was still able to um to just put his team in position i mean when they went up two scores the 49ers i know a lot of people with five minutes left a lot of people were like this game's over and it came down to the last second Timeout. Update on the report about the Cowboys. It's a lie. Well, Mike Leslie has 13 minutes ago when he said, I'm told the entire coaching staff has been fired. Two minutes ago, we were told that a member of the staff texted the person close to him and said, we're fired. The response was, quote, all of you. And the response was, yes. A minute later, a member inside the Cowboys organization said, this is not the case yet. It may be the case soon but has not been officially transpired. And I can actually double that up. Jane Slater, who is a writer for the NFL on Twitter, as of seven minutes ago, there has been no firings of the entire coaching staff in Dallas, according to a, mem- a number of sources here at the Star in Frisco. There are currently We are currently in the locker room for cleaning out. News to everyone. Team meeting has concluded. Jason Garrett is now meeting with Jerry and Stephen Jones. So Don't try to be bit. first in the lessons you heard all this from uh, those that are interested in journalism. It's better to be right than first. Absolutely. And just going back to my quick takes on the NFC West before we talk about coaching changes, because I think we have to now. Uh, San Francisco, wow, what a turnaround. Seattle, I'm not overly convinced. I'm not there yet. L.A. Rams, not where they were last year, but certainly good. But my big surprise, Arizona Cardinals. And I want to read you off these stats with Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, 100 more yards total yards per game, 60% increase in points scored, 91% increase in scoring drives, 41% more yards per game, and a 40% increase in touchdowns scored. That's undeniable, and that's just after one year. So let's see what they do after, after two years, perhaps, at the helm. We will get into the NFL 100 defense and quarterbacks here, folks. 
in just a second as well as the wild card round but we got to talk about these coaching openings obviously now we don't know about whether or not Dallas is going forward with it we pretty much know but the extent we really don't as for that you had the Giants they've already moved forward Washington maybe Rivera now it's sounding like it's a question mark still he's still the favorite there Cleveland didn't even wait until the end of the day before they fired Freddie Kitchens even though he thought some for some reason that he had the support of the organization of the openings right now including Carolina who has what's the best option for a coach that you know is looking for a job in the NFL level right now What's, what's the most attractive do you think I think the most attractive job would either be would be the Redskins and the reason being because you're getting you're getting a new GM which is huge new president yeah and so when you also look at the fact that this team has first round talent along the front four Jonathan Allen uh what's the other cat cat they drafted um sweat, sweat. they also drafted they, they, they re-signed Ioannidis um Kerrigan's contract is able to, you're able to get out of that you're getting back healthy Reuben Foster at inside linebacker you're getting back a healthier secondary um and you have a high pick to get another talent you have a franchise quarterback on offense you have some questions at running back um unfortunately and you have a question along the offensive line but you have the capital and also now uh they're bringing in the coach to probably coincide with the gm which is smart um i would say the redskins would be the most attractive i i'm not gonna jump on Cleveland being the most attractive because <laughs> the Haslam still own Cleveland, the Browns organization and ownership, as we were seeing in Dallas, plays a huge role in, in, in everything. I mean, I think it's just a toss up. I mean, with the Giants, you've got pieces that were put together by the guy that just got fired. So you don't you don't have any of your of your own pieces, even though you've got quite a bit of talent there. Um, Cleveland, you know, the talents there on paper, but can deal with the egos. Washington, you still got an ownership there that is pretty questionable. So I don't know whether or not – I mean, if Ron Rivera gets hired, that's a difference maker for sure for this franchise. That's a guy that you can build around for 10, 12 years. But questionable. Carolina, you might be able to kind of build around Christian McCaffrey, which is kind of nice to do. You know, you've got a guy who's a 1,000 and 1,000. Cam Newton, is he coming back healthy or not? You can still draft a quarterback either way either as his backup so you have a solid number two, or if the injuries continue or he decides to move on, you can go to your guy. As for Dallas, I don't want to work for Jerry Jones. I want to work for myself, and that's not going to happen in Dallas. So I think for me, I think it's Carolina, just because you've got a blank slate. You've got a blank slate to build what you want to build, and you're not going to have the pressure there that you would have on a team in the NFC East. Stealing my thunder there, Dave. Just saying. <laughs> um, just, just a little side note <clears throat> in regards to Emery's point. How do you know you have a franchise quarterback in Washington? Because Dwayne Haskins is a much better quarterback than Daniel Jones. Whoa. Oh, Who God. said anything about he Daniel just, Jones? He just Jones. threw just open shots. the door. So that's that's where you're going. So why, <laughs> no. why not just rip the Band-Aid off? I'm, I'm going to take a bathroom break. Let me know when this is over. <laughs> Popcorn, please. Here we I go. I was not going to mention Daniel Jones at all, though – Daniel Jones looks a lot more promising than than Dwayne Haskins. But, yes. Haskins my, would have took off yesterday, though. My job <laughs> that I think is the most promising for a new head coach, I agree, is the, is the Carolina Panthers here. And that's because they have a lot of pieces in play already. They have good wide receivers. They have Christian McCaffrey, who is an absolute stud. And they have a good defense. 
the quarterback is the pretty much the only real question here. I mean, is Cam going to come back? If he doesn't come back, then you still have your draft. You don't know what Will Greer is yet, and you got Kyle Allen. Now, do you want to come back with Kyle Allen? Absolutely not. Mm-mm. Absolutely not. But if you're a new head coach, you're gonna you're gonna be you're gonna be put in a place where yes, you can draft, but you can also use Kyle Allen for one year to put more of your players in place. You, I'm sure you got cap space. If th- there will be free agent quarterbacks out there, if need be. Hell, you could, you could take Jake Fromm in the draft and still be fine because, as you've seen, you can still get 1,000 yards on Kurt McCaffrey in both categories with a mediocre quarterback. You know what's interesting about the – before we, we get Alex in on this conversation, you know what's <laughs> interesting <laughs> – you know I'm interesting still here winning in the NFC. About the, I think the, <laughs> the Panthers and uh, Giants have similar situations. Um, the Giants have talent, and – the Panthers clearly have talent. They have more talent, I think, defensively, but the Giants mm-hmm. have young talent on defense. Where you kind of – what would hold you back from the Giants' job would probably be Dave Gettleman. What would hold me back from the Panthers' job would be their ownership. This is a new owner, and this new owner came in and wanted to make waves, and and one of the things he did was get rid of, you know, a guy that everybody liked in uh, Ron Rivera. And so I don't know what – is this is going to be an owner that's going to empower the people he hires, or is this is an owner that is a new owner in the old guard of the NFL that also wants to be the Bob Crafts, the Jerry Jones, and wants to be a part of the story too? Because that right there could be a problem for anybody coming in. Yeah, and that's why I think – Ultimately, I think the Giants position is actually a little bit uh, better than the Carolina position because you do have an owner that's brand new to this and, like you said, is more about the flash rather than – well, at least initially is more about the flash than you know putting the product out. I do like building a team, though, around Luke Keekley and Christian McCaffrey. And if you, if you believe in Cam Newton uh, in his health and you have Cam Newton at quarterback – you're right there already going to be a competitive team before you even make any uh, changes that you feel like you need to make. But I know working under Jerry Jones can't be pleasant, but the way you stop that is winning games and going to the playoffs. And I think the best, the most talented roster, I mean, you can make the argument that Cleveland's got an equally talented roster. I think the drop-off is at the quarterback position. But, I mean, you have a very talented roster in, in Dallas, and you have an owner slash GM who won't allow uh, who won't allow his team to rebuild ever. So you're always going to be competing. You're always he's always going to put players on the field that are at least competitive. Jason Garrett's not even fired yet. Okay. <laughs> and I will say this: if there's anything we learned about Jerry Jones, it doesn't matter if you win Super Bowls, you're going to get fired if you got a bigger if you get more of the spotlight than he does. One, one thing about Jerry Jones is he he takes a lot of heat because he he's the face, he's everything, but it's really going to be a lot of heat whether Jason Garrett deserves it or not it's going to be a lot of heat if he's still there so I'm just I'm going on the <laughs> assumption that he's gone but if he's not gone then I mean it blows up point, everything we know about Jerry Jones yeah and I, I would I, between the I mean he might just really want the puppet then but yeah. he brings a coach in here that has a, you know it's it's his way and lets him do it I I mean with this roster he should be able to make something work because this was definitely just a down down year Let's get into before we get into the wild card games. And we will get to the uh, into the wild card games. Let's talk about the NFL 100. We talked about the offensive positions last time. Let's talk about the defensive positions and the quarterback. Now I know the quarterback debate is something that we want to have, but let's get into all the ones that we're not going to have beef with. So let's start with the defensive positions here, and let's start with the defensive end. Uh, any complaints on this list whatsoever? Just let me know. Doug Atkins, 
Bill Hewitt, Deacon Jones, uh, Gino Marchetti, Leroy Selman, Bruce Smith, and Reggie White. I, I see no issues there. Michael Strahan. No. <laughs> oh, come no on. Issues, no issues, no issues. I mean, you know how people will, will be. <laughs> they, will, they will sit there and say, oh, my God, how could you not have J.J. Watt? He would dominate this he, and dominate that. As he gets like, injured every year. <laughs> <laughs> but it's hard to argue, again, because you people have the same dumb arguments. But when you look at how dominant these players were in their era, these are some of the, the hallmarks of the position it's hard to keep those guys off the list. Randall maybe is one that you could have some issue with at defensive tackle. Um, but other than that, I think from defensive ends to defensive tackles, they got this list right. Yeah, the rest of the defensive tackles real quick. Buck Buchanan, Joe Green, Bob Lilly, Merlin Olson. Alan Page, John Randall, and Randy White. By the way, for uh, maybe Sap should have yeah, been maybe that was Sapp, Randall. Yeah, yeah, you know. And what is Buck Buchanan's real first name? Junius. That is outstanding because I'm looking at it. That's because no one else would have gotten <laughs> that unless it. you're looking at it. Nope. <laughs> Move on to, into the linebacking core now. Um, this is another one that we're can somewhat get a little heated. Uh, Chuck Bednarik, Bobby Bell, Derek Brooks, Dick Buckus, Jack Ham, Ted Hendricks, Jack Lambert. Willie Lanier, Ray Lewis, Joe Schmidt, Junior Seau, Lawrence Taylor. My lord. <laughs> that's it. That's just dude pure you don't murder. Mess with, man. That's, that's just pure murder. You know, you I could see where someone could have uh an issue maybe with Derek Brooks being there. Yeah. yeah I maybe. mean when when you said his name it was kind of like, really? <laughs> I mean, he he's a great player. Great player, but I'm sure that there's somebody that she could have thrown on there besides Derek Brooks. I mean, when you look at a person that's not on that list that should have been there. How about Mike Singletary? Okay. Kind of shocking, yeah. A little bit shocking there for sure. On to the corners next. Mel Blunt, Willie Brown, Daryl Green, Mike Haynes, Dick Night Train Lane, still one of the greatest nicknames of all time, Deion Sanders, and Rod Woodson. I'm going to fanboy here. Generation, yeah. I You're mean, not going to go Darrell Rivas. I'm going to fanboy here. Oh, come on. <laughs> Your hot takes in this segment are just going to be legendary. Darrell Rivas, Rivas Island. I needs agree to with be that, too. on this list. There is not a more dominant corner for, like, uh, I know, but the problem is, and I know why, it's because it was not a long, long enough stretch of time. But there was not a dominant a more dominant corner, and he was pretty much undersized versus every single corner he's ever faced. 5'5", five, 10". Five, I mean, you legit didn't throw his way. Like, he eliminated one half of the field for seasons. You know what it was? Because Belichick was involved in the making of the films. So, you know, he didn't want to talk about it. Hey, listen, he helped him bring a Super Bowl. So, that <laughs> should have been, that been crossed out right there. I mean, <laughs> eliminated but, half of the field for seasons. But I can get where this this is this is a tough uh, – uh, one of the tougher ones to pick. Like, I, these corners, like the names you put on there, it's not like they don't deserve it. So right. like, exactly. I, I get who that. Would you, who would you take That's off for Rivas, though? <sighs> <laughs> the one you shouldn't, the one that you're not taking I off. Can't, I can't. I can't. I won't be the guy that speaks for guys that I didn't see play. So I, I won't do it. About so, safe, very safe. So that's yeah, you can't like Daryl Green. Don't even think about. I saw some people arguing for Daryl Green. Like, listen, Green was outstanding, and he played for twenty plus years. And yeah. 
you know, and so anybody, and that, it's, it's, I thought they should, maybe should have added more. That's what I was going to say. Why, why, why do we, we need 10 cutting, quarterbacks? Why are we cutting? Right. right. Yeah. Why do we need 10 quarterbacks? Hey, you got two cornerbacks on the field at all times, and, like, that's the we list. You got three. Let's say let's yeah, say, okay. three. Well, nowadays three. Nowadays three, right. Yeah. But you cut the list at that? Like, come on. And moving on to safety here, uh, Jack Christensen, Ken Houston, Ronnie Lott, Ed Reed, <laughs> Emlyn Tunnel, and Larry Wilson. I'm, I'm just picturing em- Ed Reed and Ronnie Lott. Emlyn Tunnel. <laughs> Tunnel is outstanding, man. Like when you know, when you know his story, he is. That's one you don't take off the list. It, he, he has like eighty interceptions, right? It's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm, I'm just thinking of Ed in, Reed in, in and Ronnie Lott, right? Like in that time, <laughs> in period. that time I mean, period. Can you imagine being a, a wide receiver going across the middle with Ronnie Lott and Ed Reed? No, no, or even <laughs> I'm Night thinking on the insurance lane. policy. Night Train Lane would have lasted a quarter in today's NFL with the amount of. Illegal hits he had. Oh yeah, yeah. Jack I mean, Tatum on his, is not on the list. So I'm surprised. I, I'm it's generational as well here, but like there's there's just three names in my mind that's synonymous with great safeties, and yes, they just happen to come from my generation of watching football, and that's Ed Reed. Yep, fair. Palomalu, and Brian Dawkins. I could almost see Dawkins more than Palomalo. I mean, yeah, I would throw Dawkins over Palomalo. I was just saying the three. Yeah, names. yeah. In terms of our era, yeah, I'd say Ga- those are the game three. Game-changing plays. I'm actually more. I'm leaning more towards Palomalo just because of the stuff he did. I mean, the dude was jumping snaps. He was. I mean, <laughs> when you watch when you watch those great yeah. those great Steelers like the, that time with Palomalo, yeah. he was in every tackle, every play where the ball was. The dude was there, whether he was making the play or like. Just ready, like he. The, there was never a bad play from Palomalu, and that was that's just what stuck out. And he always played hard. That was one thing I always like. Game was over. The dude is running 100 miles an hour still. That's one thing that with the hair. Take away. With the I hair. think, with but the see, hair. I think can't miss him. I think Palomalu and uh, Dawkins are more personalities, which is why people remember them. You know, the hair. They're great, but I'm saying like. We're talking about them because of the hair and yeah. The, Palomalu's and the, on the all hair team, and uh, and <laughs> He's Dawkins on the all-hair with all the. Action figure shit he was doing, but <laughs> I think I think the safety position again. Why only six? Because you also look at some guys that that were. I mean Leroy Butler from Green Bay. Uh, you talk about another guy that no one probably wants to to mention his name. But John he, Lynch. <laughs> nobody, nobody. That was not where he was going. Yeah. I, I just want to see his reaction. No one, no one wants to mention his name, but he was a. He was an all-time great, and that was Darren Sharper. Yeah, uh, Darren. Safety in the league. <laughs> Darren Sharper. <laughs> yeah, talk like the water boy. But I, think that, that's, I think that's why he's not on the list. He became a meme. Right. <laughs> but isn't he that. also a felon? He's in jail currently yeah. for rape. Yeah. Multiple rapes. A bunch, <laughs> like, say a bunch of murder, too. No, no just rapes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not saying like I mean, that's, they're thought, both pretty bad. No, 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 but I thought he. I thought when no, when it came out, but no, no, but when it came out, I thought it was like. I thought no, no, no. I'm saying when it came out, I thought it was like all everything. I thought it was oh, like yeah, yeah. all you this crap. Was, <laughs> yeah, it was like. I mean, as a football player, right? Tremendous. As a football player, like, I'm surprised Paul Krause isn't on this list. He retired with like, <laughs> up, like eighty something interceptions as well. So I, I think they got tired of doing the show, toward the back end. Belichick needed a nap. And he says, we got six safeties and, you know, six corners. All right, cool. We got ten freaking head coaches for what? Like, <laughs> let's Real quick, let's get into the specialties here. Two kickers make the list. Uh, Jan Stenerud and Adam Vinatieri. The two punters, Ray Guy and Shane Leckler. A little Oakland flair there. And the returners, Devin Hester and Billy White Shoes Johnson. Only two re- returners. I understand 
those two are hard to argue. Hester, I'm glad, is getting his just due. Yeah, I Hester, think he's a Hall of Famer. I think he could have went three, like three punters, three kickers, three returners. Because, I mean, Freddie Mitchell was a damn good returner. So was Brian Mitchell. Yeah. Oh, you mean Brian Mitchell, right? Yeah, yeah. Brian did, Mitchell. And, and um, uh, Abe Woodson was a great – like, I have my list. I have – a hundred specialists, so I could add some names <laughs> to this, but I I see why they went with two. Man, two. I forgot forgetting about the X Dante Hall, yeah. man. Dante he Hall. Was, he was he a good was. returner for like two or three seasons. He was the man. <laughs> and and I mean, it's not over these guys, but I'm just I just. And if we're gonna man, add dude, any guy to the all athlete team, we kind of mentioned him before we came on the end here. Bo Jackson. Yeah. I mean, if you're talking about a guy, if he had stuck to one sport. If he had stuck to football, good lord. Bo yeah. makes my list regardless. Bo, Bo's the all-athlete Hall of Fame. I think it's universal when you say, was he a great – instantly everybody say, yes, was he a great player? Yes. But the, the only thing is, oh, he didn't play long enough. But everyone agrees that he was a great player. So Bo is – he was great. Bo is the best athlete that will not be in a Hall of Fame outside of Auburn. That's the crazy thing. Like here's the thing with Bo Jackson, he could pick up anything and be great. Well, Bo Jackson's picked up archery and he's just taking home the gold medal at the Olympics. In I archery. love the I love the cartoon Pro Stars. I used to watch it every Saturday. Oh yeah, uh, but who's in Pro Stars? No clue. Exactly. Tell about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but now let's get into the controversy here, and that was the quarterback position. We knew it was going to come down to this. Let's go through the list of ten before we get to the wild card game. Sammy Baugh, Tom Brady, John Elway, Brett Favre. Otto Graham, Peyton Manning, Dan Marino, Joe Montana, Roger Staubach, Johnny Unitas, and by the time you got to the third name, something was already wrong. Where in the hell is Drew Brees? He's not on the list as, as well as where he shouldn't be. You're the, crazy. The three, he leads the all-time NFL list in three major passing categories. And for the all-time team... He's not selected. Bruh, that is a joke. For the all-time team. That is a joke. For the all-time team for running backs, I do not see Frank Gore. And he is third all-time in that all is time. Also, that's also a joke. No, hold on. Frank Gore is argued to be a stat compiler. And what's true? Because, because no. he has seasons <laughs> where he's had like 500, 600, 700 yards. Drew Brees is consistently in the playoffs. Consistently, wait, 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 is he wait, 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 consistently consi- in the playoffs? I'm about to say, wait, 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 he's wait, like wait. he's like seven total playoff career games or something like that, and that was with the Super Bowl. And that, that, that's that's because he's got a overrated head coach in Sean Payton. Overrated, yeah, I like that, Dave. He went to the playoffs <laughs> eight eight times, eight years, one in San Diego, and the rest with New Orleans. Consistently in the playoffs, like I said, eight out of nineteen years. That's consistent. When was those eight? That's years? not even every other. Oh. <laughs> 04, 06, 09, 10, 11, 13, 17, A lot 18. of 7 and 9. So is that not times. consistently in the playoffs? Bro, well, I just like. 19 years? 19 years? Uh, is that. Tom name, Brady's consistently in the playoffs. Name, name Manning 09. is consistently what? in the playoffs. Name, name from 09. Which, what competition Wait, did Brady or Manning have? What competition did Brady or Manning have? Hold on. Sammy. Uh, Sammy name from Tom Brady, John on. Elway, Brett Favre, Peyton Manning. I mean, let's just listen to the guys in the top 10 that were consistently in the playoffs. <laughs> Tom <laughs> Brady was facing the Jets, the Bills, and the Dolphins to get into the playoffs. I have a question. I have a question. I have a question. How, if he's this good, right? He's got all the numbers, right? How come? All right, no, let me ask you. How many all pros does he have? How you many got, all you pros? Got pro reference? You got fo- fo- I, I can tell you. Pros? I will tell you right now. He has one. It was in 2006 where he was outscored by, or more touchdowns from Peyton Manning, less interceptions from Peyton Manning. He beat him by 200 yards. Peyton Manning won the Super Bowl that year. 
absolute snub on the first team All Pro. That was his only year where he was considered All Pro. Drew Brees should be in this top ten. Well, hey, nothing right, that you're going to argue. Years were no five years. He had over five thousand passing yards. We're talking about. Jameis Winston having this incredible year Wait. with 30 interceptions and 5,000 passing yards. He hit that five times without throwing the ball away half the time. But here's the thing. Um, who are you taking? Let's let's go. Yeah. Sammy Ball was a pioneer at the position, the forward pass. Can't take him off. Fine. Brady has been consistent for two decades. Tom Brady's one or two. So you yeah. can't take Fine. him off. Don't take him off. Take Belichick away from him. The co- there we go. Brett Favre, three MVPs. You skipped over Mr. Elway. Because that's the one I'm going to get back to. That's yeah. the, that's a debatable one. But Brett Favre, three MVPs. You're not taking him off. Three MVPs? That's, that's Talk about inconsistent, though. Three MVPs. Inconsistent, though. How many quarterbacks have three MVPs? And how many games did Drew, Brett Favre throw away? How many MVPs Drew Brees got? Man, come on. And bro. they have the same amount of Super Bowl victories. What about Pro Bowls? The Pro Bowls oh, count God. for anything? Do they count for sure. anything? Sure, they, they count. Okay. okay. Otto Graham, 10 years, oh. 10 championships. That's dominance. Fine. Peyton Manning. That's consistent. That's consistent. <laughs> I don't know. That that may be a different level of consistency for, for uh, Troy over here. Peyton Manning is Peyton Manning. Marino, you could say he's a trailblazer. Almost. Can you? You look what he was doing in, in the 80s? Yes, 5000 yards. He was the first one thrown 5000 yeah, yards he was, consistently. He was yeah, he was a beast. Mont- Montana the, the championships in the whole 80s he was outstanding. Uh Staubach, the fact that he started his career 5 years after he got drafted because of the the naval Military. commitment and went on to that career, outstanding. Unitas another one of those trailblazers right. in the forward pass era. Uh he was the next great one after Unitas. I mean after uh, Ball. So or Graham. Everyone would, would no one talked about uh Bart Starr. You know, no one talked about Tarkington. That's true. Um and now we, it brings us to Elway. Elway the fact that he, I think what what helps Elway's case is the fact that he got to Super Bowls mm-hmm. with those teams. As is it would be the equivalent of Wentz taking this Eagles team to the Super Bowl. That's what the Broncos were in the early 80s. And that's why they were getting crushed in a Super Bowl. When they got a better team, they got to the Super Bowl the back-to-back years, they won. But the fact that they were getting to the Super Bowl with the offensive weapons, now the, the, the posse was, um, I mean, the uh, three amigos were pretty good. And that was uh, Ricky Natil, Mark Jackson, and uh, Vance, Vance Johnson. Good receivers, never had a tight end, they never had a run game. Um, and the fact that Elway was – he ushered in the quarterback draw. They used to run a quarterback draw a lot with Elway uh, in the 80s. Now, the detraction for Elway, the numbers don't look good. So, if you're going to make the case for Breeze because of the numbers, I think Elway would be the one you would take out. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add something else to this conversation. I'm going to blow up the whole didn't make the playoffs more than half the time. How many, how many snaps did Drew Breeze take at corner or safety? What does I don't even to want to get on that. I don't, how, how many times? Hold on. These defense name the, name the years. Him. Name the years that he made the playoffs, please. You still have that up? Yeah. Please he name made it those in, years. Uh, 09. Okay. 10. Okay. 11. Okay. 13. Okay. 17. Okay. That's four years. That's fine. And uh, 18 in this year. And okay, again. so how many times is that over the past 10 years? That's actually eight years. Okay, how many times is that? Oh, Over the past 10 years? So in a decade, one, two, three, four, five, six. So is that not consistent? 
That's 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 sixty percent. Would you take that? That's six out of ten. Yeah, that's would still you, damn if, good. If, Considering where the Falcons were with Matt Ryan and they got to battle him out, and again and with the Panthers going to the Super Bowl as well, and with and again without a defense most of the time. Well, no, no, no. you can't no. make you can't make that because th- you want to make that argument. But, but, but Pey- you, hold on, you want to make that argument. Peyton Manning has brought a team that was bottom fifteen, bottom twenty in defense. Nobody's arguing. To, hold on, hold Manning, on. Though. To the playoffs. My point is the difference of level. You have your argument is he didn't bring them to the playoffs the years they had bad defenses, great quarterbacks. Mask that, and Peyton Manning was able to mask that. The one year Peyton Manning sits, they win two games. Hold on, but Peyton Manning also had Dallas Clark, Edron James, Reggie Wayne, Marvin Harrison. Like I can go for days. Who who did who was Drew Brees' best receiver that whole time? Marcus Colston. Is Marcus Colston bad? Is Marcus Colston gonna be in the Hall of Fame? Like Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne. Is Jimmy Graham bad? Jimmy Graham was very good. What has he done since he lost Drew Brees? Is Reggie Bush? What has Jimmy Graham done since he lost Drew Brees? He's, he's got done. a point. He's, he's, what has he done? Yeah. Right, so, he, had, he had one more so decent is, year. So in, Aaron, he had one more decent year in Seattle. So then you're saying Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson are terrible, or Jimmy Graham may have just slipped? Oh, Jimmy Graham hasn't done anything since he lost Drew Brees. Because he his had a pro, decent year. In, he had a did decent you, year in did Seattle. Did you spend four years on the IR? Oh my goodness. What, I, what, I, what I'm saying, like, <laughs> if, it, if, if, if Elway a, should be going off if there's anybody. But but my thing is this: if Drew Brees was that obvious of a choice he would have been on the list there's a lot of people that should have been on the list that are obvious that should have been on the list that aren't on the I list i personally think i personally including think including frank gore including terrell owens i personally think at number 10 you want to make that argument between elway and breeze i think the argument is elway and rogers <laughs> you're wild. okay someone's high someone's wild I, I, I think the one that has a, a legitimate I, case because he was also left off the 75th anniversary team is Frank Tarkenton. Tarkenton was Tark- an incredible quarterback. I think he has more of a case than Breeze, in my opinion. Well, you know what it is with Tarkenton is that he was – it's a similar thing with in terms of the era. He was outshined in his era despite putting up numbers that are deserving to be on the list. And unfortunately, well, he was the Drew Breeze of his era, but he also did damage – he, he was great with Minnesota early in his career, got traded to, to the Giants, did great with the Giants, goes back to Minnesota, and takes them to the Super Bowl multiple times. So Tarkenton, I think, has more of a case than Drew Brees. You're high. You're both high. You're both yeah, crazy. I can't agree. I and, can't get behind that. And, and also, you talk about you know the first-team all-pro argument. The fact that he wasn't first-team all-pro in 2011 when he was 71% completion percentage – 5,400 yards, 46 touchdowns with 14 picks. Who won? And the reason why he's throwing a lot of these yards in that situation is, you know, they were down, and a lot of times in those games, Breeze would throw a a costly interception or so, and and they're down in the game, or the constant quick three and outs, and it's just like the over. Breeze hadn't been the, the Saints. When the Saints get to the playoffs, it's because they had balance. They still went thirteen and three that year. I'm talking about a lot of the times when he's thrown for all of these yards. Okay, five thousand yards passing, eight and eight in two thousand and eight, uh, thirteen and three in two thousand eleven, uh, seven and nine in two uh, thousand and twelve. Where's his other five? Seven and nine yards? in twenty sixteen. I okay, I give you that, but still that that thirteen and three season where he threw for fifty four hundred yards and forty six touchdowns. He wasn't first team all pro. Who's you first, take that away who's from Who's first him? team all pro? I'm not what I'm asking. I, I would like to know. 
probably Brady or something. Probably stupid. who had probably more yards and more touchdowns and probably had Nobody more, actually, more no, yards. No, because he was leading the league in th- all three of those categories. Okay. Drew Brees <laughs> has led the league in so attempts no. in four years. Four, four out of what? Four, like I mean, the, I mean, granted, and, and it's a, the, this passing era is just remarkable to see 600-plus pass attempts. Now, he also has led the league in completions for six years. So that's pretty good. It's not saying Listen, I'm not like he's an all-time great. He's all-time great, but I, I top I'm, ten. I'm not. I'm not taking. I can't make the argument for what Staubach and all those guys that I didn't grow up seeing play. But from the guys that are on there ahead of him that I've seen, I saw the later latter years of Marino. Yeah, I agree. You can make the argument that way. But Brady Manning and all those guys, I no, he's not. He he was never. You never look at uh, Drew Brees and go, that was the guy of the era. If I had had this discussion earlier, if I had the first overall pick. Knowing what I know that these players would become now, Brady Breeze or Manning, I'm taking Breeze. <laughs> he is high. Right. You're taking him over Peyton Manning. Because yeah. you can make the argument about Tom Brady with Bill Belichick. You cannot argue that Peyton Manning of those three is the is not the elite quarterback. Right? I'm taking Breeze. Look at what Breeze has done with what he's had. <laughs> Troy. Look at what Peyton has done. Literally showed you when he missed one year, he won two games. Teddy, he missed this year, Drew Breeze. I'm not Ted, saying Teddy the team. Bridgewater do? I'm Ted not saying Bridgewater the top team. 10 quarterback I'm of not all time? saying what the team did. I'm saying what Breeze has done. Before, before. What, what, what do you mean? What has he done? To, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, <laughs> done with what Teddy Bridgewater proved that you can go into the number two. Did Bridgewater have all those all stats? Did Bridgewater have all those stats? Did Bridgewater have all those stats that Breeze puts up? After like this first or second week, he was putting up similar 300, 250, 300 yards. With what, four or five what, touchdowns. Okay, can you with tell four me? four and five touchdowns. Can you, can you tell me the, the latest, the latest, uh, put up 42 points. What was Drew Breeze stat line? When last game, up, last week. I don't have his stats in front 200 of right yards? It was all Camara. <laughs> it was all literally everybody you're, else in that game. Okay, so you're going to take one game as no, a sample ta- size I'm of ta- the ta- whole career? I'm taking, I'm taking that. <laughs> you're taking one game my as point, a sample size of the whole career. My point is that you're saying with the wins and losses that it, obviously the, the team, it was part of the team. When his team was was hampered and wasn't the when it didn't have the most balance, I'm he didn't step up. Here. I'm talking stats. What Breeze has and done I'm talking statistically. Wins. I'm talking about what Breeze has done statistically with, I don't want to say nobody, but compared to what Peyton had. Well, let's talk about Brady then. You just, like, Brady, who has been Brady? <laughs> Brady with Moss was record-breaking. Brady with everyone else. Gronk? Okay, a tight end, great. But, uh, you say okay, a tight end, great. Like Gronk? Yeah, like, he's an all tight. You're talking about to just a tight end. Yeah, but so you can downplay Jimmy Graham, but we we have we to get, upgrade. With, Ron I didn't Kowski. downplay Jimmy Graham. I did not I'll downplay just, Jimmy Graham. What I said was, what you did said, Graham, what has he done lately? What has, what he, has done he done since? after Breeze? Yeah. Well, here's my thing too. I think a lot of people don't. I think people are looking at Elway because uh, I keep going back to Elway. A lot of people, younger people, that think football just came out like recently only remember Elway in the Super Bowl runs but I keep that's the reason why Elway is on this list is because considering what he was working with at the time again it would be comparable to Carson Wentz with this Eagles team going to the Super Bowl consistently now keep in mind this is the AFC where the Browns were outstanding in the 80s they should have gone to three Super Bowls the reason why they didn't go to three Super Bowls because they couldn't beat John Elway and they couldn't beat Jim Kelly um, in the in in '88. So I think Elway, while you can make a debate, is tough to uh, 
I'm, I'm glad I, I've seen a lot of this Elway uh, in, in his early Broncos years. It's hard to – I see why he's on the list. Elway wasn't a terrible player. Because um, people will say, well, where's Troy Eakman? You know, you go by Super Bowls or whatever. But I think this quarterback list is actually pretty solid. Two thoughts. One, it's a good thing Belichick was choosing this list and that <laughs> Drew Brees was in the NFC because if he was in the AFC – Patriots would only have two or three Super Bowls. What about Peyton Manning every time they ran up against yeah, Tom Brady? Yeah, ran up against Peyton Manning. No, absolutely. 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 Both of them. I think both of them. I think they would have had only maybe half of the Super Bowls they have now. Wait, no, he, Brady, went, he went against Brady. Peyton Manning his whole career. But yeah. if he's in the AFC? If no, Peyton Manning was in the AFC his whole career is what I'm saying. <sighs> how come he only has How come he has six Super Bowls? <laughs> so how come he's been like, there nine times? Like, they had I'm to just, change the rule for the Colts to, to get past the Patriots. Now, granted, yeah, the Patriots DBs were legitimately tackling guys deep down the field. And not getting calls. You're right. So but, they change the rule, and, and then let's let's not like look at what Peyton d- has done in the postseason. He was an amazing regular season quarterback, but we all know that when it came to the postseason, well, Peyton just where did he couldn't get it done now consistently. Where, now where did he struggle? On the road outdoors. So what's what's your point in saying that? Drew Brees, when he hasn't had home field advantage, has been. A marginal quarterback in the postseason. Well, since y'all bring up postseason, oh, it goes. Since we, we, we think we're going to get past this point, but it goes back. <laughs> it goes directly back to John Elway and what they were doing. That I'm telling you, Elway has a reason why he's on that list. Elway was a dog, and I think people look at his numbers and they'll see like you know, uh, I'll tell 20, you why. 22 touchdowns, 23 intercepts, 19. They'll see that, but not realizing the error. In how rules were different, but Elway was a beast. Who made this list? Baby boomers. Yeah, oh. of course. Yeah. <laughs> you know what, Troy? It's just the two of us. We're in, we're in the meme. Look at us. <laughs> we're in the Howard's meme. Look at us being right with the facts. But, but, but I'm, I, I, again, this is one I, I actually don't see. I don't think the they allowed – the choosing of this list should have been completely different. It shouldn't have been a couple of people sitting in a room making this list. This should have been something that took all season to make. It like, did. This it took have, all of 20, 20, 2018. It was pre-recorded. We all know. Yes, yeah. and but I mean, like, a, like it was a blue ribbon crew, but it was like like fifteen people that voted on this. That's that's not enough. How many people you need? A lot. Because this isn't just <laughs> this isn't a random list. This is the top ten play. Well, not even top do ten. You, my guess, top my players guess, of my, every single my guess, position. If they got guys like Belichick. They got a bunch of guys that were. Unbiased by, I, they were going by guys that been have that seen that could talk the about only, Autogram and company and can talk about today. The only way to truly make an unbiased list is to make it completely. Open. It wouldn't. It wouldn't be fair to have like a twenty-eight or a thirty, even a thirty-five-year-old person on this list who was like, "Well, I didn't, you know, I never saw Autogram, never saw any of these guys play, so I'm just going to vote ten guys that are from my generation." Yeah. You, know, that you you need to have somebody that's seen that, it all. And, that I and, agree with. And you know what I mean. You need you need someone that's that's been a part of the whole thing update we have breaking news redskins have fired their head trainer larry hess sources tell me this is coming from jp finley who covers redskins for nbc washington he had been with the team for 17 years and if you know the reason why which also opens the door when you look at a a subsequent tweet by someone else that covers the redskins talking about trent williams entertaining the idea of now coming back because they got rid of bruce allen and they got rid of trainer and you so, wonder maybe if that was one of the things that was slowing down the ron rivera situation whether he wanted to make sure he got all of his own staff no or he wanted to make sure can we salvage trent, trent williams. williams yeah so that could be interesting to watch but now we've already kept you here for 
almost an hour and a half. So we might as well we might as well get into oh I don't know the playoff games. So let's start with this. Uh, I mean the schedule's a little weird. We got the two AFC games are on Saturday on the fourth. On Sunday the fifth, we've got the two NFC games. Let's start with the Saturday games, the AFC matchups. Bills, Texans, NRG Stadium. What are we looking for in this game? You want to see Josh Allen ball out. You want to see if Josh Allen's passing can ball out because we know Deshaun Watson will ball out. We know what the Texans offense will be. I want to see Josh Allen take the reins and and make this a QB duel because if that happens, even if they lose, it shows that Buffalo will be a serious player for a long time because they would have found their quarterback, so to speak. If Buffalo is going to be in this game and make it truly competitive, they have to stop Houston's running game. Uh, Towards the second half of the season, when Houston really got it rolling, Carlos Hyde got rolling, Duke Johnson got rolling, Deshaun Watson uses his legs more. If Buffalo is going to have a chance in this game, they're going to have to stop Houston on the ground. This is going to be a huge game for Bill O'Brien. You know his struggles in the postseason um, coming into this week. Uh, This is big for him because they they went all in this year, trading first-round pick, getting Tunsil. Uh, moving Clowney for pieces that they needed. This is a big game, and you got to get by a team like Buffalo to prove that you are one of the more established teams in the AFC. The other matchup, how weird is this, to see New England in early January, the first week of January, hosting a game. They go to the wildcard round for the first time in a decade. They host the white-hot Tennessee Titans. Is there a reason to be concerned in New England? That's the big question. Maybe the mystique is wearing off a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's a reason to be concerned because you're coming in with a team that has no fear. They're playing hot right now. They're doing a great job on both sides of the ball. And if you're New England, you still have some concerns about your offense. So this is going to be a very interesting game uh, between these two AFC uh, squads. Some concerns about that offense. I'm totally concerned about that offense. I mean, this is was this New England defense went from being an historic, uh, could be one of the best defenses all times to over the past few weeks playing the better teams. They kind of slowed down a little bit. And like you said, this is a white, hot Tennessee Titans team. Derrick Henry just rushed for over 200 yards and three touchdowns. I mean – one, you know that they're going to have to stop that freight train in Derrick Henry. Two, Tannehill has been lights out for them. So this is going to be a good one because if this Tennessee Titans defense can do anything to slow down this already struggling Patriots offense, it's, I mean, this defense, this is a, a defensive matchup. It is what you want wild card weekend. I like this matchup a lot with Tennessee and New England because you have a guy like Mike Vrabel who knows what it takes to win in New England and what Bill Belichick is like both as a player and a coach for New England. And their quarterback played a lot of years with Miami, played up against um, New England and Foxborough, and has had success with three wins in his career against New England. So um, a mobile-like quarterback, something Belichick struggles with, and a team that's clearly not afraid to pull out all the stops when it comes to this is going to be, I mean, playoffs, You every game is the last game. Every game's treated like the Super Bowl. But this is literally the Tennessee Titans Super Bowl. And now we move on to Sunday, the two NFC matchups. We start at 1 o'clock from the Superdome in New Orleans. One of the top ten quarterbacks of all time, Drew Brees, taking the Saints against the Minnesota Vikings. We know that Kirk Cousins has had an excellent year when the limelight isn't on him. He's still not playing in primetime. He's only playing at 1 o'clock, so maybe that helps him a little bit in the Dome. But this is New Orleans. It's going to be loud. It's going to be a party atmosphere. What are we watching in this ballgame? Saints and Vikings have historically played great games. I remember in 87, uh, Saints came in. Um, best year they've had in franchise history. They were 12-3. It was a strike-shortened season. 12-3, Dome Patrol. 
Bless You Boys was a song that they that the Saints came out with, and it was a great song. Vikings came in there and thumped the Saints. It was 44-10. Um, Anthony Carter just was bombing out the Saints. Then you look at the Brett Favre should have taken the knee game. Uh, you also look at 2001. Aaron Brooks and the Saints, they beat uh, the greatest show on turf in the wild card round in the Superdome. They go up to Minnesota, lose to Culpepper in, in, in Moss. Um, and then you look at the miracle in the metal, uh, miracle in, in Minneapolis recently. So the Saints-Vikings have played some fantastic, entertaining games. So this will be – you can't look at this one and say it's going to be a blowout either way. It'll be very entertaining. I'll say that. Most definitely. I mean, look at both of these offenses. They can put up tons of points. Look at both of these defenses. Any given day, they can shut down the opposing team. They've done it all season, both teams. I mean, it's 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 hard to choose one thing to look for because of that. You got Breeze who could throw it out of the gym. Kirk Cousins who can step up and throw three touchdowns to Diggs alone, three touchdowns to Thielen alone. It, look at every single aspect. Sit down, tune in, and enjoy because this is going to be a good one. Yeah, you got a game here with the number 26 quarterback in the NFL this year, Drew Brees. This is going to be an awesome game because, and like you guys said, everybody's going to be highlighting the quarterbacks and what these offenses can do, but the defenses have been so good this year. I mean, outside of a couple, you know, that 49ers game with the Saints and a couple games you could peg, but outside of that, they've been stout all year uh, handling business. Same with the Vikings defense. Um, I think this game is going to be lower scoring. Not saying it's going to be a low scoring game, but lower scoring than we're probably envisioning. And from the most in- entertaining game potentially of this round to the most intriguing, Seahawks in Philadelphia to take on the Eagles. Two teams that have struggled in their own way. Seattle has lost a lot of players on defense. Philly's lost a lot of players on offense. They've both found a way to this point. We got a trip from the West Coast to the East Coast. I know that's going to be a big key for you, Alex. But the question is, can Seattle find a way to move the ball, which they've struggled to at times this year, and can Philadelphia continue to survive with literally tight ends playing wide receiver? Can they move the ball? That's another big question because their offense has been depleted each and every week. And, you know, you lose – Brandon Brooks, the the offensive lineman now with a with a separated shoulder. Uh so another starting and Miles Sanders as well. And Miles Sanders. So man, i think this one will be another one of these games that it, it'll be closer because I think the Eagles defense can keep this thing afloat more so than Seattle's defense. I, I just find this one um too I think it's a coin flip, honestly. A Seattle. It's time to turn it up. <laughs> now, this would be a good one. I mean, uh, both of these teams, like you said, Carson Wentz is a winner. That's what he's going to – he's going to do everything he can to keep his team in the game. So is Russell Wilson. You know it from Russell Wilson. He's been here before. Uh, grind time. It's postseason. I expect this game to be high scoring, uh, probably in like the 20s for each of the teams and coming down to like the last two minutes. Yeah, I don't think there's – you could ask for a better matchup between – I mean, is there anybody right now in the league that's better than these two guys in the fourth quarter between Wentz and Wilson? So, I mean, you could expect probably like a 3-3 game going into the fourth and then 28-27 <laughs> finish in this one. Right. But uh, but that's I'm just very excited because the boy, with these teams, despite all the adversity, these quarterbacks know that it's nothing – it's never over. So to watch both those guys go at it like that, it'll be fun. And what's incredible is that the X factor in this game might be a guy named Boston Scott. Yes. Believe it or not, that might be the difference if Philadelphia does win this one. Or Marshawn Lynch. 
that could be talk about opposite ends of the knowledge right. of who people know can, who you said. Can I say how bad I was rooting for that no, no delay game and the whole them not giving the ball to Marshawn or giving it to Marshawn? Just just the memes either way. I was so excited <laughs> for it. The, the Captain but, America meme. Uh, where all like, the memes. <laughs> Pete Carroll giving the ball to Marshawn Lynch on the one yard line. No, I don't think I will. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, that'll do it for the NFL All-32 Podcast. You've put up with a lot here. It's gone an hour and a half. It's a little bit longer than normal, but you know what? This is the end of the season. We had to talk about it. We had to break it down. There was a little bit of controversy we had to get to, a little bit of beef as well. But you know what? It's now time for playoff football. The wild card round starts on Saturday with the AFC matchups for Alex Marinoni, Troy Anthony, the czar of the playbook, Emery Hunt. I've been David Hassig, and thanks for listening in, and enjoyed Wild Card Weekend.